We begin with the letter A. A is for... M is for murder. E is for... Danger! And, uh... Dodge. With... Monster. Help! Love me and be... Please help! Yeah. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Is For Podcast. I am your friendly neighborhood monster. Joining me this lovely evening is the always remarkably talented Danger. I wouldn't know, I wouldn't say always, but I'll take it. I'll take it. The semi-annually talented Danger. Semi-annually. Okay, I'll uh, I'll take it. But I'm not your gonna, talent, I'm not going to dispute the like talent. A, uh, no, no, your talent is like a sale at Victoria's Secret. Please explain. Uh, no, I won't. So tonight okay. we will be doing O is for Oscar the Grouch. Okay. Yes, that Oscar the Grouch from the, I mean, come on, world famous television show Sesame Street. Now, um, Oscar okay, the Grouch. So I, Okay, so I can hear a little bit of confusion in your voice, but let's let me preface this conversation by saying this. Sesame Street is a television show aimed at children about colorful characters and it teaches you how to care and to count and to think and to read and it teaches you all these wonderful things. And all the characters, whether they're more human-esque like Bert and Ernie, or they're a little bit bigger and kind of wacky like Big Bird or Snuffleupagus, they're all very friendly and polite. Except for Oscar the Grouch. Yes. He is the one part of the show that does not quite fit in with the rest of it. And I've always found this aspect to be kind of fascinating. Okay. Please expand on why. As someone who goes by the moniker Monster, but is actually a pretty nice guy for the most part. Yeah, generally. I I can sort of identify with Oscar in a lot of ways. Okay, please expand. So so before I jump into a bunch of facts and and kind of that sort of part of it, what kind of relationship do you have with Sesame Street and also Oscar the Grouch? I have no relationship with Sesame Street outside of... Eight, maybe I, and at that, it's a stretch. I can't recall the last time I watched Sesame Street. I know that you know, elementary, middle school, flipping through the channels, homesick after watching my fair share of Bob Barker, and you know, I would flip through and land on PBS. And PBS does have some good programming. I'm not knocking PBS as a channel, but Sesame Street's not been my jam for a long time. Sure, sure. Yeah. And and I can I can safely say I had not sat down and watched an episode in probably twenty years. Not more. until you had a child. To anybody who this is your first episode listening, um, welcome. You're in for a treat. Um, but for people who have listened to a few episodes before, I do have a three year old daughter. Um, number two is on the way. She'll be here soon. So I have seen my fair share of Sesame Street over the past couple of years. Yeah. Now, I do want to go back and actually admit that because I didn't think about the fact that I did see clips of Sesame Street with uh, my niece and nephew and whatnot. So but I can't tell you a full episode. 
Sure, sure. And again, there was one episode in particular, and I don't remember exactly the entire narrative or the title of the episode or anything, but I just remember one episode that popped up several times where I was, you know, watching with my daughter that kind of centered around Oscar, and he does this song called I Love Trash. Mm-hmm. And it's actually pretty good. It's uh, It's got the singer from the band Bleachers singing with him. Yeah. And they talk about how much they love different kinds of garbage and how important it is and how much fun it is. <laughs> so it, it got me thinking about, okay, who is Oscar the Grouch? Where did he come from? Why is he such a staple on this show for little kids that focuses on good manners and positive stuff, you know? So I do want to stop for a second. Sesame Street has always tried to get people of note, people in, you know, some celebrity of some kind. Yeah. And and they've done a fairly good job. You know, I think that's been something that was kind of uh, smoothed over and, you know, glazed over with Sesame Street is the fact that they have been able to get celebrities of different, you know, levels of whatnot over their entire run. I don't even know how long they've been on, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, I know they've been on since the uh, late sixties, I think. Don't steal my thunder, dude. I got I, all this. That was a guess. I, I don't know, but <laughs> you are very, very accurate. Um, So yeah, they have always gotten celebrities of different levels and whatnot. And I think that kind of translated over to other kids shows like Yo Gabba Gabba and whatnot, where they've also been able to get celebrities. Now, now, granted, my my history of Sesame Street, there is a big gap of about 20, 25 years altogether. I would be um, concerned if you were a regular watcher. As you should be. Um, I'm on enough list. I don't need to be on more. Um, but I do feel like the pop culture references when the show first started were pretty strong. And then they kind of dipped. And then within the past few years, they've kind of gone up again. Yeah. Sesame Street okay. has always addressed current event topics mm-hmm. and, and played into current pop culture. But I do think that within the past couple of years, and again, I, I have a very narrow scope of this just because my daughter is three. So I've literally only seen like the past three years or so. Uh, I do. There are a lot of pretty well-known A-list actors and, and singers and performers that do pop up on there from time to time. Yeah. H- or, um, Sesame Street, not HBO, which actually, uh, I think that's one yeah, of the things uh-huh, that I, uh-huh. I got a little mixed up on is, um, <laughs> it was an HBO show at one point, but, uh, Sesame Street's never really steered away from tackling tough subjects of any kind, really. Then I think they've always handled them in more of a delicate manner and, you know, good for that arena. Yes. And unfortunately, and, and I don't, I don't want to get into this part of it very much because this, this isn't what I want to talk about. Because at the heart of this, it's not S for Sesame Street, it's O for Oscar. But Sesame Street, talking about the current event stuff, Sesame Street, over the years, the funding for the show has changed hands. It's been public, it's been private, it's been government, and so the money talks. So whoever is funding the show, whatever their agenda may be, the show will skew into that direction a little bit. Yeah. So... The way they handle current events, depending on your leanings, may be great, may be suspect. That's neither here nor there. That's not really what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Um, so you had said late 60s. Yes. You are very accurate. Sesame Street first aired November 10th, 1969. Okay. It was created by uh, Joan Gans Cooney and Lloyd 
Morissette. Okay. I love this quote. The whole reason Sesame Street was created is because of this quote. They wanted to master the addictive qualities of television and do something good with them. I can get behind that. Now, I don't know. I don't know if you've ever seen a two-year-old or a three-year-old try to watch something on television. Their attention span is about nine seconds. Yeah. Sesame Street, when it first aired, and, and I guess technically to this day, is a combination of live-action people, animated segments, songs, uh, and then, of course, the Muppets, the, Muppets. the puppet characters. Yes, Jim Henson. Yes. Yep. So when the show first was under development, they basically were showing test audiences the different ideas that they had. And they had basically street segments, which were the people, just the human characters interacting with each other. And then they had animated segments, claymation segments, all these things. And so basically they were like, okay, well, let's create some kind of puppet character. So they reached out to Jim Henson, right. who I think most people know Jim Henson better from the Muppets as opposed to Sesame Street, but same guy, same guy. Yeah. And to be honest with you, if, if you had to, if I had to pick one, I, I'd pick the Muppets all day. Yeah, personally, I would too. I actually really like the Muppets. The Muppets is not, first of all, the Muppets was never meant to be educational. No. And the Muppets were never really geared towards toddlers and children. Yeah. If you go back and watch Muppets episodes from the 70s and 80s, there's plenty of that Shrek, yeah. Ice Age, like... Just toeing the line of that yeah. adult humor. Yeah. And I think that may be why I've always liked them. But this isn't right. M for Muppets. Maybe that's no, next no, no, season. No. That wouldn't be a bad one. That wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad one. It'd be hard to cover in one episode. That's a That's a dense topic. So when they originally, this, I thought this was kind of funny. When they originally pitched this idea of having these Muppet puppet characters, the original idea was to have not let the humans and the Muppets interact because it would be too distracting and confusing for the children. Huh. So whenever they started showing these things, they had like the little Muppet characters in that segment and go to a segment with just the people on the street talking and, and doing whatever. They said that the kids sort of shut down during that part and they found it very boring. Yeah. Well, I understand. I mean, I, right. I, I can't imagine any kid being like, I want to watch people talk on the street doing things. Right. You know, no. the Muppet was the thing that they that they liked. Right. And then all of a sudden you right. take away the puppet. So I think, and and I could be wrong, don't quote me on this exactly, but in the very first season, right from the get-go, there were four Muppets that were created. You had Bert and Ernie, which again were a little bit more human-esque. You had Big Bird, and you had Oscar. Which we could do an entire episode on the homoeroticism of Bert and Ernie. Really? Yeah. Really going to go there? Yeah, I am. We've been recording... What, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, and we're already talking about the gay stuff? Really? I mean, uh, 13 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you know what Oscar the Grouch looked like when he first... He was orange. Was the... Yes, he was. Yes, he was. I did not. I'm trying to, think, I'm trying to think how many seasons he was orange. I know he was orange for the first season. It might have just been the one season, actually. But you alluded to this earlier. The character of Oscar the Grouch was created by Jim Henson and John Stone, 
most people know Oscar the Grouch as green. He mm-hmm. has no visible nose nope. and he lives in a trash can. Yeah. Uh, which the trash can in and of itself is a bit of a character on the show. <laughs> I I do not recall the trash can and its attributes aside from it's a standard metal trash can that doesn't exist anymore. Now they're all plastic and picked up by the claw thing. So the trash can is essentially an alternate dimension. Throughout the years, Oscar has referenced these following items to be within his trash can, okay? Even though it looks like an ordinary trash can on the outside, it boasts such amenities as a farm, a swimming pool, an ice rink, a bowling alley, and a piano. (laughs) Like a grand piano, I assume? No, just a little one, dude. It's a trash can. What do you think? I mean, if we're going to put all the other stuff in the trash can, a farm and a swimming pool, why not go for a grand piano or like a bar piano? You know, the stand up. It's, it's, it's really a keytar. They yeah. just are trying to be generous. Actually, the, the keytar is something that does not get enough love. Agreed. Agreed. There's also a couple of references to the trash can having a back door entrance. In case you ever need it. Um, and In then case of also, a fire? I guess. Uh, and if you watch real carefully, there are certain times where Oscar will stick his head out of the trash can. Um, but when he goes back into the trash can, sometimes he goes straight down. And then other times, if you watch carefully, he kind of turns like he's going down like, like a spiral staircase. It just makes you think of like somebody like, Walking behind a bookshelf and going down, like you're going down a staircase. And, oh, but it's in a trash it. can. So, absolutely love it. Um, okay. So, I do not know a lot about Oscar the Grouch. I do know that he was orange and I yep. do know his first line ever spoken. What was it? Um, where's Mac? <laughs> Where, where's Mac? Is it where's Mac or where's. Too uh, it was something like am that. Am I going to have to edit this one because that was the longest, most awkward pause I've ever heard in my life? Yeah, you're editing this one. I know his first line, <laughs> and it is. Well, and it was. It's where's Mac or where's Two Mac? I th- it was something like that. I know that. Okay, calm down. I'll get there. Okay. So again, you can just take all that out. <laughs> no, no, it's all staying in. So basically, like I said before. When they originally created these characters, they were not going to interact with the humans. And then eventually they kind of pieced them all together and the humans interacted with the with the puppets. And that created a little more synergy and, and the test audience seemed to respond well to it. So the the character Oscar the Grouch was based on a restaurant owner. And they uh, Jim Henson and John Stone described as magnificently rude. <laughs> That's a... It's it's a polite insult. Yes, yes. Now, the voice and the actual puppeteer for Oscar the Grouch is a man by the name of Carol Spiney. And I've seen some interviews with him. He seems like just a, just like Jim Henson and these other guys, seems like just a lovely older gentleman. Yeah. Um, but he got the voice inspiration from a New York taxi cab driver so he kind of copied that kind of like yankee accent with a little bit of the sassy attitude on the end of it and oscar the grouch's first line was where to mac okay so it wasn't which which is yeah 
three words that somehow you managed to butcher in three different ways. You know, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it really, really well. Look, I said your talent was semi-annual. Now is not your season. That's, it's, that's it's not. Hard. It's not. I'm. I haven't bloomed yet. <sighs> haven't bloomed. I yeah. <laughs> oh Lord! Haven't listened to enough Nirvana. I'm not in bloom. Oh, oh no! Yeah. That I will edit out. That is horrible. <laughs> um. So, the name of that restaurant owner. The name of the restaurant was called Oscar's Salt of the Sea. It was a little restaurant that Jim Henson and John Stone used to frequent really close to, to, to where they were. And again, I don't think that they were like making fun of the guy or anything like that. It just was sort of like, you know, they were kind of coming up with ideas for this character and Oscars was the name of the restaurant. So they just kind of went yeah. with that. You just, you roll with what feels natural, I guess. Okay, here we go. Uh, he, uh, Oscar was orange for the entire first season, and then he changed to green. This was explained within the show by a visit to Swamp Mushy Muddy. Was that in his trash can? It was right next to the ice rink. Okay, okay. Between <laughs> the ice rink and the pool. So this is the part that I find kind of interesting. For not, I, I feel like our episodes are a little bit timeless because we don't, usually bring up current events too much um but at the time of recording this there's a little bit of a conversation about um the m&ms oh yeah changing their yeah. such uh, a ridiculous conversation okay thank you i yeah. agree yeah. um i find it of all the things we can we can discuss to try to make better let's worry about the um the personalities of candy mascots. You know, right? we have a we have a pandemic, but we're going to worry about the personalities and attire of candy mascots and whether or not Mr. Potato Head is now a gender neutral toy. Yeah, Neither of like, these things affect any part of, of my day. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think it's the amount of things that are really going on in the world today. This Eminem stuff is headline news. Yeah. That's not to get all on my conspiracy high horse, but I can't, I just, I, I can't wrap my head around why the powers that be think we should focus on that instead of all these other things that maybe deserve our attention. It's but, only headline news if you're looking at the wrong headlines. True, true. But I digress. I digress. Oscar was created to kind of indirectly demonstrate racial and ethnic diversity. Um, since his manners and tastes were different from those of the other characters, his creators hoped to address social issues by using his differences as a metaphor for racial and ethnic differences. Now, again, kind of going back to what I said earlier, you've got this show that teaches you about how to be polite, how to use manners, how to, you know, that kind of thing. And then you've got this character who is crude and lives in a trash can. Right. It's a little bit of a juxtaposition that's a little bit, you know, kind of jarring, I think, at first. Yeah. Regardless of what the intentions were behind this, there was actually a little bit of controversy when Oscar was first starting to develop his character. Whereas Henson and the creators of the show, uh, I, I want to reference them again, um, Cooney and uh, Morissette, Oscar was almost deemed as kind of like a surrogate for poor urban American 
And so there was a little bit of controversy for, for some reviewers of the show. You know, they were kind of trying to kind of get what what are they trying to say right. with this character? It's worth, you know, at least paying attention to because he was the rough and tumble, the gritty character on Sesame Street, on the street, if you will. And, yeah. you know, so he it is easy to to kind of put him into that that box of, you know, what else is he representing? Is he pushing some other, you know, message below it all? You know, and since he was based on a cab driver in, uh, I assume this was probably, what, 1967, 68, probably not uh, the cleanest time for New York by any means. Right. I mean, even if you just go back and look at the show Taxi with Danny DeVito and Christopher Lloyd. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, they weren't the cleanest, most friendly characters. No. You know? Oh, and Andy Kaufman. Let's not forget Andy Kaufman on the show. Um, Good old Latka. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, so it does make you kind of wonder, was there something else behind it? You know, was there something else they were trying to to push? Or was that what they were actually going for to give representation of that on the street? What, what what I truly think was they were trying to give representation, and, and again, like I like we discussed earlier, Sesame Street has kind of always tried to provide representation for all kinds of people, and I think that's that's part of the reason they have human characters, fantastical characters. Even from day one, they had white characters, African American characters, Hispanic characters. It's always been a diverse cast of humans and puppets uh -huh. but when the show was kind of first up and running a lot of when i when i use the term viewers obviously the the key demographic here is very little kids yeah when i say viewers i'm referring to the people that are writing for tv guide and the people yep. that are writing reviews on the show um but some of the viewers saw oscar the grouch as a negative representation of african-americans i can which, see that which was again according to cooney and according to henson according to everybody else that was involved that was never the intention they yeah. never intended for him to represent i i think oscar the grouch was designed like you said to represent a certain kind of ambiguous group of people. It was never right. meant to be a, a particular minority group, a particular ethnicity. It was just, here is a different kind of person with a different kind of likes and dislikes. And the show was basically trying to say, hey, whether you live in a house or you live in a trash can, you show the same respect to both parties. Right, right. And, you know, the show wouldn't be what it is without that character, of course. It does just give a different representation of a different type of person that you encounter. You know, I've known people of all races that are Oscars. You know, it's right, absolutely. They they exist everywhere, just like there's any type of person of all races anywhere, all the time. I think the the inclusion of Oscar the Grouch is actually something that was almost necessary for the show because everybody else is so clean cut and friendly. Exactly. And as the show has gone on, you know, there are plenty of episodes where they kind of talk about like the actual humanity of Oscar the Grouch and how at his core, he is a, just like all the other characters, human or puppet, has feelings, has emotions, mm -hmm. and needs to be treated with respect. Again, 
not to like go overboard. I'm not saying Oscar is my spirit animal or anything like that. But what I am saying is like, I've been the weird kid. I've been the one that walks into the room that's dressed different or is a little bit eccentric or nerdy or whatever, you know? So it's cool. I think that Oscar is an early representation to kids right out the gate, two, three, four years old saying, it's okay to like stuff that's a little weird. It's okay to not go with the crowd all the time, you know? But then they get to middle school and all of that is forgotten. (laughs) Well, yes, but... These are the kind of values that get instilled early that they can carry with them to hopefully make those times a little bit easier to deal with. You know, again, like my daughter. Okay, first of all, let me preface this by saying, I know my name is Monster. I know I love scary stuff and conspiracy theories and creepy things. All my DVDs are hidden. I don't, like, show my daughter anything crazy. No. Just this morning as I'm getting ready, getting her ready to go to preschool, she's walking around the house going, oh, I'm a zombie. Like, she just likes that kind of stuff. Like, she had a skeleton mermaid that she used to take to bed with her, with all of her princess dolls. And she she really got into spirit Halloween stores when they were around. Oh, my God. She loves them. She loves them. She goes like, uh, last time, this past Halloween... We went to one where they had like a a skeleton or Frankenstein's monster. She knows to call Frankenstein's the doctor. It's Frankenstein's monster. And she knows, which is awesome. But like they had those little animatronics that would start like kind of swinging around and making noise. And she would go up to them and like dance with them. She was like, I'm (laughs) dancing with them. And obviously I love it, you know. But I think Oscar the Grouch is a really good representation of. It's okay to be different. Yes. And it's, I think it's cool that on a show that is for two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, whatever, they already have a character that's a little misunderstood. You right, know. right. Now, so back to the actual, like, the physicality of actually doing Oscar the Grouch. So Spiny, who, with Jim Henson's help, they created Oscar and Big Bird. Spiny actually controlled both of them. And so there were a lot of scenes where Big Bird and Oscar the Grouch would be on screen together interacting with one another. That had to be a little bit difficult. Yes. So sometimes he would record lines for one character while doing the puppetry of the other character and doing the mouth, like the vocal performance for one character while doing the puppetry for the other character. And I I just, I mean, I got to give this man props. I can't imagine trying to control all of that at one time. That's a hell of a voice actor on top of it to be able to, you know, switch back and forth between the voices rather easily. Yeah. Yeah, So um, it was, it was 2015 that Spiny was diagnosed with something called dystonia. I'm not exactly sure what that illness entails, but basically he could no longer do um, do Oscar the Grouch or Big Bird at that point. Eric Jacobson was kind of like his understudy, and he kind of took over the voice for Oscar the Grouch. And this was in season 48. So he in did it for 48 yeah. seasons? 47 yes. seasons? Yes. Hmm. Oh, which, by the way, uh, dystonia is a thing with... Um, 
syndrome with uh, sustained muscle repetitive uh, muscle contractions resulting in twisting and whatnot. It would just would have been impossible for him to do it because at random points, your muscles just contort and twist and whatnot. So. As, as a guy who's been playing guitar and video games pretty much for as long as he can remember, um, I have my own bouts of uncomfortable hand cramps and yeah. pains and stuff like that. I couldn't imagine trying to puppeteer these characters for 40 plus years. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's crazy. He did. He did record a few lines that were used like post his stepping down as the the actual puppeteer and voice of the character. Yeah. Uh, so they could still use it. Now, uh, as the seasons progressed, they introduced this character named Bruno the Trash Man. Yep. And he was like a character that could actually pick up Oscar like can and all so he could move around the set to interact with other characters. And it was on just the show. it was just him picking the can up and still yes. puppeteering and yes. Yeah, yeah. Bruno was a full body costume which allows Oscar's puppeteer to manipulate Oscar while remaining hidden in the Bruno costume. Yeah. There's there's also episodes uh there's an Elmo's World episode called Dance where Oscar's legs protrude from the bottom of the trash can so he can walk around. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, there's also an episode, a Christmas Eve episode, similar situation where his legs come out so he can ice skate. Yeah. <laughs> he also mentions a, occasionally going to the annual Grouch Convention in Syracuse, New York. <laughs> uh, but I, I'm just, I'm quite curious what the annual Grouch Convention would be. Is it just a convention for Oscar the Grouch, or I know you don't so know, that's... but. Well, you no, do. so actually, I, I kind of do, um, because Oscar the Grouch, it's kind of funny because while they, they his name is Oscar, they use the Grouch as not only a descriptive term, but it's also, for lack of a better term, his ethnicity. There are like the Grouch marks. <laughs> this is like the fifth time I've had to quit this podcast, okay? Yeah. I can't. I'm not going to do this. All right. <laughs> I wouldn't either. I don't, I still don't know why you're here. That is edited out. Um, <laughs> uh, no. So it is like an actual, I don't know if you want to call it a species or an ethnicity <laughs> or what the right term is. Um, I don't know what Muppets or puppets go by. No, um, that I've, it's funny because I've kind of wondered what the species and things are of Muppets and puppets and whatnot. And I can't think of anything that Oscar the Grouch is even close to, so we're just going to call him uh, he's from Grouchonia. No, no, he's from, and I'm, oh, I thought I had it in my notes. Maybe I don't. But there is a movie where Elmo goes to Grouchland. He goes, and there's all these other Grouches, and they're all a lot like Oscar, but Oscar is, of course, one of a kind. Right. But that's nobody's that's a like whole... Oscar. No, but again, I guess it's a species. I really don't know what the right terminology is, but there's several of them. It's not just, he's not the only one. There's a whole race of them. Yeah, there's a whole bunch but, more of Oscars, but go on. Yes, there are instances on the show where Oscar does show a little bit of humanity, where he does show a little bit of kindness. There's an episode where Ernie loses his rubber ducky 
and Oscar takes it upon himself to actually try to to get him a new one to be a good guy, you know, essentially. Yeah. He um he he went out to help find Big Bird on the uh, Christmas Eve on Sesame Street special. He does have a girlfriend. Her name is Grundita. So I have to ask: Was Oscar going out to uh, to find Big Bird? Was that really just Spiny's wanting stability in his career? Because <laughs> if Big Bird was gone, he wouldn't he wouldn't have two jobs. Just job we, security. I, I think we all agree that if one of these two characters was going to go by the wayside, it would probably be Oscar. I don't think Big Bird has to worry about his job. Which did you know? that Big Bird was actually supposed to go to space and they scrapped it because they could not get the Big Bird costume in a spacesuit to walk on to the space shuttle and still be a good enough spacesuit for the person in the suit. Do you know what trip he was supposed to go into space on? He was supposed to go up when the Challenger exploded. So oh my if God. Big Bird had gone up on that, the entire world watching the Challenger explode would have watched Big Bird die. I, I, you know, God works in mysterious <laughs> ways. And uh, <laughs> I think he knew better. I I just, there would have been that little sick part of me that enjoys things like that, oh. that would have, you know, in hindsight, of course, because I don't know how old I was when the Challenger exploded, but. It would have been interesting to look back on and be like, that was the day that we watched Big Bird die, like televised in schools. <laughs> Could you imagine being part of the family members of the astronauts who actually did unfortunately lose their lives on that trip being like, no one cares about my son because everyone is freaking out about Big Bird. <laughs> Oh, oh it's so brutal. yeah. So, and I guess it would have been um, Spiny that would have gone up since he would have been the Big Bird guy at the time. I don't, yeah, I don't know what the year Challenger was, but to the interwebs. Yeah, I would imagine that would have been during his tenure because I mean he he was Big Bird for so long. I mean, it was uh, eighty six January of eighty six. Yeah. yeah. So I would assume you're right. It, it would have been him. So that's, I mean, that's really the bulk of it. But like I said, the, the the main reason I wanted to to kind of spotlight Oscar a little bit is because I feel like on a show that is all about happy-go-lucky, bright colors, and and singing songs, and, and all these happy things, there's this one character that is known for basically the opposite of all of that. For just and straight up being a dick. <laughs> A lot of times, yeah. A lot of times, you're you're absolutely right. But I think everybody can kind of either identify with him or at the very least know somebody like him where it's like, yeah, he's a little rough around the edges, but he's got a good heart and you love him anyway. That doesn't describe everybody that works on this show. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) we are literally the Oscar the Grouch of podcasts <laughs> i think there's probably worse but not going to call out any names <laughs> but no you know we're they're we're, they're the ones that are actually making money off of their podcasts so true you know, we're power to them i'm not far from living in a trash can that's the thing 
we are all just two or three decisions away from be literally becoming Oscar the Grouch. It's true. It's true. I may end up just turning green. So yeah, I've been, I've been orange for too long. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's all I have for O uh, is for Oscar the Grouch. Danger. Do you have anything you'd like to to leave us with? Uh, well, I honestly, when you originally approached with this idea for O is for Oscar the Grouch, I initially was like, I sure, okay, why not? But you know, I uh, I feel like I can walk away from this with having learned something. You know, that's what I try to do here. I try to bring some laughs, bring some loves, but we we try to educate and entertain. We try to educate. Yeah. Whether or not it's something that you need to know, which I can tell you that most of the things we talk about on this podcast are things that you don't need to know. That's, you know. Well, let me just say, I don't know what our demographic is of the 6 to 12 people that listen to us on a regular basis. I know none of them are 4 years old. So I know this doesn't speak directly to you, but I think a lot of people have a passing knowledge of Sesame Street. And it for a lot of people, it was probably a big part of their childhood. So as an adult, I do find it a lot of fun to go back and revisit things, you know, well, from my childhood. I, I will say that Sesame Street was the 15th highest rated children's television show in the United States. A uh, ninety-six, uh, nineteen ninety-six survey found that ninety-five percent of all American preschoolers had watched it by the time they were three. And in two thousand eighteen, it was estimated that eighty-six million Americans had watched it as children. So that's safe to say that almost everybody in the world, or at least in the U.S., have have watched it. No, and and that was actually something I meant to bring up earlier. Thank you for bringing that up. Is they have basically given? I don't want to say they've given the rights to do. Sesame Street in other countries, a lot of other countries in the world have their variation of Sesame Street. It might not be Elmo, it might not be Big Bird, but they have their versions of that. I There's a little bit of that in, with Oscar the Grouch too, but I don't want to get into that because it, it gets a little... Actually, really if, you watch, but. if you watch the um, Incredible Hulk movie with Edward Norton, he's flipping through uh, Portuguese TV in Brazil and comes across Sesame Street and actually like stops and picks out words and looks them up and whatnot to try to Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh there's 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 Russian, there's a lot of stuff in the Middle East. There's several other countries that have their version of Sesame Street. They're basically all the same essential characters with ethnic variations to fit right. their, you know, their culture, culture and whatnot. Yeah. Sure, sure. Um but yeah, Sesame Street has kind of permeated the social consciousness worldwide for see 69 so i mean was that 40 plus years you it's know? had it's had 52 seasons and 4591 episodes so i feel like i don't feel like it's going anywhere <laughs> so. no no it's not and and i know we kind of blew past this earlier there is just like everything else that's on tv radio in in media there is somewhat of a, a little bit of an agenda in there yeah. But ultimately, it's still surface level, educational, beneficial. Uh, I, I go back to that quote that they said at, um, that I said at the beginning, master the addictive qualities of television and do something good with them. Alex loves her Disney movies. She loves singing along to Encanto and Frozen and Princess and the Frog. But 
during the daytime when she's playing with her toys and she's hanging out at the house, like on days she doesn't go to preschool, we leave it on PBS because she likes to have the TV on. She doesn't sit there and stare at the TV the whole time. But we know that the stuff that's going to come on there is safe. At, exactly. It's safe. It's at least trying to educate. And, and Sesame Street comes on every day. And I know that she watches Sesame Street. We've got Sesame Street books. She's got Elmo toys. She's got Big Bird toys. So, yeah, yeah. Sesame Street has pretty much been in the house ever since she was in the house. <laughs> so, um, I I don't know of any good documentary on Oscar, but there is a great one called Being Elmo. And it's about the guy that yes. uh, Kevin Clash that uh, was the voice and puppeteer for Elmo. That's definitely worth checking out. So, uh, but I have for nothing sure. else on on Oscar. Didn't really know there was as much to say on Oscar, but uh, yeah, you know, I, I think that, you know, Oscar being representation of a different type of person that's out there in the world is definitely something that was needed. And whether we knew we were getting it or not as children, we did. Yeah. I, I find it very funny that when he was first introduced, there was a certain group of people that tried to look at him in a negative way just because he was different. Yeah. And if that doesn't somehow sum up how a lot of people feel, you know, mm -hmm. being looked at poorly just because they're different. I mean, you know, like I said, I, I know it's just little puppet character on a TV show for children, but I think, I think we can all learn a lot from Oscar the Grouch and what he went through over the years. <laughs> well, to, uh, I guess, tidy this up in a nice little bow, be nice to the people who are different. Just be Absolutely. nice. Absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. Anyway, you want to take us out there, Monster? Sure. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Is For Podcast. Tonight was O is for Oscar the Grouch. I hope you I hope you learned a little something. I hope you looked at yourself a little bit tonight. <laughs> Where to Mac? <laughs>